Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. I want to ask this question because it's really, really important. When you have people calling Jesus a false prophet, when you have people using this to try to prove preterism, when you have people using this to try to prove a lot of doctrines that simply are not biblical, we want to give the best answer possible at Good Fight Ministries for you guys. So, Lucas Veramakis out there in Frisco, Texas, asked, this is in reference to Matthew 24, where Jesus is speaking on his return in the end times. A video popped up in my newsfeed calling Jesus a liar. In Matthew 24, 34, Jesus said, This generation will not pass until all these things take place. And he claimed the events haven't taken place during that generation. Therefore, Jesus is a liar. What's the best way to respond to this? Our English word, as I said, generation is too narrow. You have to understand how the word genea is used, okay? Very, very important to understand that. The New International Dictionary, listen to this. The New International Dictionary of New Testament Theology says of the Greek word genea, listen, descendants, family, clan. See, nothing to refer to time right here. Not that it doesn't also refer to time. They mentioned that as well. It can refer to a time period, but also descendants, family, clan. That is a group of people with common ancestry. That's the same Greek word. So we don't have that definition for our word genea, but the Jews did. Okay, or the Greek way, the way it was used in a theology by the, by the, the Jews, and the way the Greek word could be used. Strong's Concordance. Now this is interesting. Even Strong's Concordance, I'll say even, but sometimes their their definitions are quite short, so I don't refer to Strong's too often. But uh, definitions three and four include people alive for a specific t- specific time. So Strong's will give you number three and number four. Yeah, this it can refer to people. It can refer to a specific uh, time period. But listen to uh, Strong's definition number one and two of the word Ganea. This is interesting. Uh, one, fathered, birth, nativity. Interesting. Listen to number two. That which uh, has been begotten, men of the same stock, or a family, uh, the several ranks of natural descent, several ranks of natural descent, the successive members of a genealogy. See, successive members of a genealogy is not what? One period of time. It's several periods of time. So that word Ganea can refer to a whole long list of a descendants from a people and, and different time generations could be absorbed in a Ganea. Uh, a group of men very like each other in endowments, pursuits, character. Catch that? That's pretty heavy. A group of men very much like each other in endowments, pursuits, character. That's how I believe Jesus is using that. this. is He's talking about the Jewish people, not just alive then, but historically having been a people that have rejected God's prophets. And, he, and keep in mind, the context is what? He's reaching back in time. Which of the prophets, right? You killed the prophets and those sent to you. He's not just talking about the people that are alive there. Going back to Zechariah, right? Going back in time. And he's calling the Jewish people as a, a character. It's not speaking ethnically even, but he's speaking character-wise and culturally of how they've rejected the Messiah. But prior to rejecting the Messiah, they've already been this wicked and adulterous generation. Are you with me? All you have to do is think about what I've said. If you followed it, go back and listen again. But I'll be saying a lot of the same things but piling evidence upon evidence here. So it's interesting, especially it says, now this is interesting, okay? Metaphorically, it's used of a group of men 
very like each other in endowments, pursuits, and character. In a bad sense, a perverse nation, especially, it says, especially in a bad sense, a perverse nation. Does that sound familiar? That's in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul talks about living in a perverse Ghanaia, but he's speaking of it as a nation of people. You understand? So it's not, so you have to, you can't just look at the English and say, wow, okay, wow, this is a generation. That'll throw you off. You have to go deeper. Mr. Bart Ehrman should have gone deeper, okay? Schweitzer should have gone deeper, okay? Now, so did you catch that though? A group of men very much like each other and also could be successive generations of a descent of a certain people group. So this is very, very important. Uh, even R.C. Sproul, who is a preterist, who wants to believe that the end happened was, already, yeah. or he was. Now he's no longer a preterist because he sees the truth because he passed on, right? But uh, he says this, and this is interesting. He's, he's referring to Kittle's Greek dictionary. And he admits, quote, the entry on Ghanaia in Gerhard Kittle's Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, says that uh, in general usage, Ganea means birth or descent, but that it can also mean generation. Isn't that interesting? Now, when you look at the Greek, it means birth or descent, but it can mean a time of time span. So when you're looking at the Greek word and reading English, you have to realize from a Greek perspective, reading the Greek and understanding especially how it's used in the biblical sense, it oftentimes refers to the character of a people. Let me give you some examples where it can refer to the character of people. Jesus in Matthew chapter 12, verse 39, an evil and adulterous generation. He's talking about a characterization as evil and adulterous genea, a people group that is evil and adulterous. The, 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 the uh, emphasis there is in a time period. The emphasis is on the character of the people. We have in Matthew 17, 17, oh, faithless and twisted generation, Jesus again, an adulterous and sinful generation, Mark 13, uh, Mark 8, 38. Uh, Mark 9, 19, oh, faithless generation. Luke eleven twenty nine, an evil generation. Isn't it interesting that Jesus uses over and over again? Now, it's not without historical precedent, precedent and what God had already spoken, really, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he inspired the, uh, Moses and spoke to Moses through the burning bush and so forth, because God already used, the Lord Jesus Christ used this terminology through, to Moses 1,500 years earlier of the same people group, but stretching from the past into the future. So Luke chapter 16, 8, okay? I'll quote the NASB. And his master praised the unrighteous managers, the, the shrewd servant, right? Uh, because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Guess what the Greek word for kind is there, Chad? Ganea. Ganea. Speaking of a kind of people, not a period of time. Jesus used the same word. So that's how Jesus used the word of a kind of people. Quit locking them into it, speaking about a time frame. Okay, then IV says of the same verse, for this people, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind, Ganea, than the people of, uh, than the children of light. The word own qualifies Ganea, by the way, there. Let me read it again. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the, than are the, pe the people of the light. The word own, own kind, qualifies Ganea, revealing that Jesus is really, is, and this is critical, he's using the term Ganea as a type of people, and he doesn't restrict the word to a period of time. The Amplified Translation says, for the sons of this age, meaning non-believers, says, this is Amplified, the non-believers, are shooter in relation to their own kind, that is, to the ways of the secular world. So that's their translation, because it's a paraphrase. Ganea, the people of this world, that's translated the word Ganea, that are the sons, then are the sons of light, the Jerusalem Bible. For the children of this world are more astute in dealing with their own kind than are the children of light. The New English Bible. Now, I could just quote after quote after quote. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40, the way Peter uses it. In Acts chapter 2, 30, 
240, Peter warns his fellow Jews that they nailed the Messiah to the cross. And then he says, it says, for he, meaning Peter, testified that with many other words and exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this crooked Ganea. And that's a characterization of the people. The, the, the word Ganea there is speaking of the character of the people. And he says, save yourself from this crooked Ganea. Do we really think he's saying from this crooked time period? How do you save yourself from a time period? Can they escape the time-space continuum? No. We're the ecclesia, right, Chad? We're the called call out, out ones. ones yeah. You know, what's the ecclesia, Chad? Well, ecclesia, we would call it the church would be the uh, more Americanized version of the word. But ecclesia means called out ones, even though it's used in a number of different ways, right? In the book yeah, of Acts, it's right? used to describe a literal building, an assembly of pagans. Uh, so yeah. it's not exclusively used for the called out ones, but it is used over and over again, especially if we go into the Greek Septuagint and so forth, but over and over again about the called out ones, which is us. Jesus calls us the church that the, the that Christ would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He uses ecclesia there as Amen, well. bro. So when Peter says, save yourselves from this wicked people, Ganea, does he mean from this time period? <laughs> no, he's talking about Ganea, yeah. meaning, the, and he's characterizing them as this this wicked people, you know, yeah. which have extended from generation to generation. It's used more in a, Ganea is used there more in the uh, pejorative a sense and they were the ecclesia were called out from among them philippians 2 15 so that you paul says so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of god above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse ganea generation among whom you appear as lights in the world remember ganea can mean descendants from a stock certain stock over several generations and specifically be speaking of the characterization of how a certain people are uh, the GNB translation, a world of corrupt and sinful people. NLT, a uh, dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Again, using the word Ganea. Uh, we see that Jesus uses this word over and over again, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, now, it's interesting. Jesus said, and I think this is interesting, uh, he says in Matthew chapter 12, 39, it says some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. And that's how it is, like at Bethel right now. And a lot of people, they just want to see miracles, you know. Let's want to see Jesus more than miracles, amen. Signs will follow those who believe, not believers supposed to follow signs, amen. He says, but he answered them, talking about the scribes and Pharisees, and says, an evil and adulterous generation, Ganea, seeks for a sign, okay. So again, we're seeing that Jesus uses, he doesn't just say, he doesn't say, and this is important, he doesn't say, this Ganea will not pass away. That would be more confusing. He could still mean the same thing and say that, but he qualifies it with this evil or adulterous generation, evil and adulterous generation, this perverse generation, you know, and he's speaking of a specific group of people as far as how they are in regard to, it could be for hundreds of years, and I believe it is, and I believe the truth will bear that out, out in a minute as I share the scripture with you, but he also referred to the evil generation as this generation. Listen, Ma Matthew chapter 20, 12, verse 41, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, that is, they did. And behold, something great, someone greater than Jonah is here. Uh, 1242, the queen of the south uh, will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it. Okay. Uh, Mark 812, sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly, uh, uh, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. So sometimes he's referring to this generation. Uh, and we've already seen, he usually uses it in the context of a group of of people. So what's the key here to understanding this? Jesus is talking about not just people that are living right then being this wicked and adulterous generation. 
He's talking about those who've continued the context. Keep in mind, the context of Matthew 23 and 24, he's not just talking to them about what they're doing, but he's also speaking of what their fathers had been doing for, for through many, many time generations and referring to all of them as this generation, meaning this wicked, adulterous people, meaning how the Jews had become. And they'd been that for centuries and centuries and centuries. There was a 400 years of silence before God revealed his Messiah because they weren't following the prophets and the true word, and they were slaying them and so forth. So this is a key. You will not see me again, blessed, you know, until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? In other words, you are going to continue to be a corrupt and a wicked generation of people for many, many, many years. And you're going to say, people are saying he's delayed his coming and so forth. He said, that's going to happen. People are going to think that. And he says, but you won't, you won't see me again until when? Till they're right. Till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Till there's been national repentance in Israel. And they've had a change of heart. They're no longer this wicked and perverse generation that's in rebellion to God. But they've had a change of heart. They're crying out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Until that heart change takes place, they'll continue to be that generation. And guess what? That generation, that wicked and perverse generation that he's addressing, and that had been that way for hundreds of years, as a Ghanaia, a people group, they all these things will come to pass. And they will not, that generation, that wicked and perverse attitude, that characterization of who they have become will not pass away. They'll have to go through all these things, all these things. Because guess what? A third of the way, they're not going to break and say, bless you, comes in the name of the Lord. Two thirds of the way through tribulation, they're not going to break and say, we repent, come Jesus. It's going to take everything there to come through such tribulation like there's never been before, before Israel finally bows and eats. It says, instead of they stop depending on the United States for armory. Start depending on themselves and their own scientific knowledge to beat everything. They start to realize, man, this Antichrist has taken over our country. They start to cry out to God, send the Messiah. We finally know we need you after the witness of the two witnesses. Gets them ready. They cry out, blesses you, come to the Lord. They've been broken finally. It says a nation will be birthed in a day. That spirit, that characterization as a weak, wicked, adulterous generation continues until the tribulation. And God uses the tribulation to break them to soften them, to humble them, because God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So you're, now let me go a little bit further on this, because it's going to get a lot clearer. I think it's already probably clear to a lot of you, but check this out. I think this is uh, very important, because this is, this, is, this is a huge, huge key. Because in Zechariah 12, Chad, it says, they'll see him whom they what? Who they pierced. Is there going to be a transformation in the people's hearts? There? There's going to be a grieving as they would for their only child. That's right. That's There's going right. to be a great humility because they're going to go to war and they're going to realize, man, they're numbered and they're, 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 they're going to be destroyed. Then Christ is going to come there to see him when they pierce and they'll mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and a fountain of cleansing will be opened to them. A nation will be saved in a day. Uh, so this generation does not refer exclusively to a future generation. And this is what's important. What I'm saying is when Jesus says this generation... He is speaking to the people in that time period, but the word Ghanaia is not referring to the time period. He's also referring to the people that made up that generation or the way that people are characterized prior to that. He's also referring to the future, even all the way through the tribulation period. They'll still be like that. So you don't want to say it exclusively refers to that time or it exclusively refers to the future uh, and that generation that begins to see those things. That's not true either. Okay, I, you know, I understand and respect uh, the people that have that viewpoint. But it's not what's going on there. In fact, listen to this, and I think this is important. Uh, I personally believe that the context rever refers to the wicked and adulterous generation as a corporate trans-historical solidarity, okay? A, a corporate solidarity we speak of in theology sometimes where corporately there's a solid, you know, God views a people as, as, as a people group. And with this group, it's a trans-historical 
uh, corporate solidarity from the time of Moses onward. They were already rejecting Moses and God when he was getting the law, right? And then he gives them the law, and, he, and then we see the Song of Moses. So something really, 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 really profound happens. In, in chapter 23 of Matthew, because we're talking about when he uses this term, this generation, in 23, 29 through 33, before he gets into what's going to happen in the end times, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and, and adorn the mountains of the righteous, and say, If we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them and shedding the blood of the prophets. You testify against yourselves. That's what Jesus is saying to them. And you are the, that you are the sons of those who murder the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How will you escape the sentence of hell? What's my point here? He's talking about how their fathers were rejecting the prophets. They were a wicked, adulterous generation. Ganea, people, not time period. They were, that's how they were. And you guys are just like them. You're still that generation. And guess what? You guys are still going to be like this, even through the whole tribulation period, until the very end, until you finally break being that wicked, adulterous, God-rejecting generation, rejecting God, those that God sent you, and you cry out to Messiah, blessed you, come in the name of the Lord. Then that will be broken. And you know how I know this is exactly what Jesus is talking about? And I have no doubt in my mind? is because is because uh well is <laughs> because when you look at what's going on here when he says this generation he's harking back to as i mentioned and i'm going to get into it right now the the song of moses and how moses was calling them characterizing the jews at, and shows that's the characterization of the people 1500 years earlier and he's basically he's right there saying this is how you guys have been all along and you say hey we wouldn't have done that well you're just like them it's the same deal going on. You know, it's the characterization of the people. And it's interesting, the Greek scholar, Greek scholar Ivor Larson, uh, stated in reference to Jesus' term, uh, this generation, listen to what he writes. If the expression had included a contrast between the generation of that time and any other generation, okay, the word hutas, this, this, uh, should, should have preceded Ganea instead of following it. He says, however, he says this is a reference to something in the preceding linguistic context. And Ganea is a certain type of people. In other words, he's saying because of the word order in the Greek, the Ganea, the emphasis is on the type of people that they were, is the same type of people that you are. Yet he's defining the characteristics of a people. Now let's, let's observe the Song of Moses and then its preamble. In the Song of Moses, and it's, it's you know, when I, I remember first reading the Song of Moses years ago, in Deuteronomy, you know, 31, 31, 31, 32, in the preamble, the Song of Moses, it broke my heart. I'm like, wow, they just got the law. And he's talking about how you're going to turn to idols and everything. It's like, wow, it just shows the, the, the sickness and the sadness of the human nature, right? But what's interesting here is, listen to this. In, in the Song of Moses, we read in chapter 32, verse 20, uh, in the Song of Moses, then he said, I will hide my face from them, okay? I will see uh, what their end shall be. For they are a perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. So he's already referring to them with a characteristic, uh, a, a certain character as a wicked generation. And as, of course, Jesus extended that to the past. But if you go to chapter 31, you back up to the preamble in chapter 31, verse 29. He says, For I know that after my death you will act corruptly and turn from the way which I have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days. You see, he's, and now did it befall them in the latter days? No, he's looking at them as a transhistorical corporate solidarity. Okay, to coin a new phrase. Okay, which is I think very biblical. He's looking at them as a corporate transhistorical solidarity. You're, it's going to befall you. Well, these guys died. They didn't get out of the wilderness, right? 
what's he talking about? The people, this perverse Ganea, this perverse people. And he's using the the the, uh, the, the uh, Hebrew word dor, D-O-R, it's our transliteration. And there's a great uh, work on that Hebrew word and how it's used over and over again, Chad, as a characteristic of a people, characteristic of a people, and not exclusively as a time period as well, which I think is fascinating. Uh, so they reject the rock, their savior, Isaiah 53, where they reject Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 32, back to the Song of Moses. But Jeshurun uh, grew fat and kicked. And uh, you are grown fat, thick, sleek. Then he forsook God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. And we also see that he's going to scatter the people in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses uh, 30, 27 through 28. He's going to scatter them throughout the nations. Okay, They're going to be thrown into a great tribulation okay they're going to seek other gods in deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 30 we read uh when you are in distress and all these things have come upon you in the latter days you return to the lord your god it's heavy you're going to be going through this tribulation period in the latter days uh he says you will return to the lord your god and listen to his voice they're finally going to be ready bless these who comes in the name of the lord right for the Lord your God is compassionate, compassionate God. He will not fail or, dis- or destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. Okay? And I love the ESV here in 430. It says, when you are in tribulation, and all these things have come up to you, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. In other words, guess what? He's dealing with them as a corrupt and evil and adulterous generation. They're going to continue that way, continue to reject him, until they go through the tribulation period. Then they're going to be broken. Then they're going to finally seek God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus isn't speaking in a vacuum, like there's no precedent to what he's talking about. It's all part of prophecy. In fact, he's the one that inspired these words that are spoken through Moses as well. Deuteronomy 32, 29, uh, he, it says, See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. Now that's way back in Deuteronomy, long before Isaiah. It is I who put to uh, death and I give life. I have wounded and I will also heal, he says. And there is no one who can deliver you from my hand. And then he talks about unsheathing his mighty sword, his flashing sword, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 40 through 42. And he'll repay those who have done wickedly. Their strength will be dried up. See, God's going to humble Israel. Their strength is to be dried up. In the Song of Moses, he says this, listen to this, vengeance is mine and retribution. In due time, their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near and the impending uh, things are hastening upon them. And he goes on to say, for the Lord will vindicate his people and will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone. See how this all fit together? And there is none remaining bond or free. So he's going to see that their strength is gone. He'll make atonement for the land. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 43. Their strength is gone. They're no longer uh, relying on the Messiah. In Deuteronomy chapter 35 through 6, the Lord gives them a new heart. It's the key. Because they're going to be saying, bless you, comes in the name of the Lord. Listen to verse 5 and 6 of the Song of Moses in the, in the preamble. The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possess, and you shall possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than all your fathers. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. Wow, that's so powerful. So you're basically seeing God's plan of salvation, Chad, from their salvation uh, out of slavery to idolatry uh, to the time of great tribulation and to the time of this disaster until their strength is dried up until the nation's repentance and restoration when they say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and we read in Deuteronomy 32, 4 and 5 the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are just a God of faithfulness and without injustice righteous and upright is he they have acted corruptly toward him listen to this they have acted corruptly toward him they are not his children because of their defect that are a perverse and crooked generation. Does that sound familiar? They're perverse and crooked generation. Yeah, that's what Jesus is referring to. 
way back 1,500 years. So Jesus is basically saying, you're still the same as your fathers were. You're the same people group. You're not going to change from being that way until you go through this tribulation period where I'm going to use to break you and reveal myself. And you say, blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord. Then you won't be that generation where then you'll be the generation of the righteous, okay? Are you with me? I think it's so clear. In fact, check this out. He doesn't go into any of the depth that I've gone in here because it's a commentary that just deals with comments and moves on, but he makes a great point. J.B. Green is commentary on this generation in Luke's account of the Olivet Discourse on pages two seven on pages 742 and 743 of the New International Commentary on the New Testament makes this following comment. Listen, quote, in the third gospel, this generation and, and related phrases has regularly signified a category of people who are resistant to the purpose of God. This is a brilliant comment. He goes on to say, this generation refers in Luke's narrative not to a set number of decades or to people living in such and such a time, but to people who stubbornly turn their backs on the divine purpose. Brilliant. Uh, another commentator, Herman uh, Ritterboss, states this, quote, A fuller study and closer examination of this passage may, however, favor a different view than the time slot period idea. The great question is, does Jesus mention a particular terminal date or does he only speak of a certainty of the things as he foretold them? He says the supposition that he means a certain terminal date here remains strikingly uh, uh, remains here uh, striking in connection to the fact that moments later he says this, but of that day and hour knows no man. In this case, we must not attribute a temporal meaning to the words this generation as though he's speaking of a time period. He says, but must conceive of it in the unfavorable sense in which it occurs elsewhere, also elsewhere. Quote, visa the people of this particular uh, disposition and frame of mind who are averse to Jesus and his words. In other words, it's a characterization of a people uh, through many, many, many generations. And I think we've proven it. I think it's, I, and I think it's really profound because it shows you all the way from the Torah, the first five books, until Jesus teaching the book of Revelation that he's speaking of the way that people just are. And it's going to take the tribulation, which you say, why would God let this happen? Well, one thing is because he's interested in people and their wills being broken and submitting to him so they don't have to go to hell. Because the Bible says every knee will bow, whether in heaven or on earth or under the earth, and every tongue will confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He wants us to bow in his presence, not in hell. Therefore, he will break us so we don't die in rebellion. And glory to God that he allows us, you and me, to go through trials as well because he wants us. He wants us to love him with his whole heart, soul, mind, strength. The good news is we don't have to wait till then, then tribulation will be broken. Hopefully you've been broken now because Jesus says those who fall on him will be broken, but those whom the rock falls on will be crushed. You don't want to be crushed by Jesus. You want to fall on him and say, have mercy and be broken and be made into a new creation. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be part of the righteous generation now and forevermore. No, amen. And I just want to thank you all for joining us today as we talk on a tough subject. But you know what? You spent specifically almost precisely 45 minutes explaining a very, very important subject, a question that many people have, a question that when I was first discussing end times theology and so forth, I got this from preterists and so forth. I yeah. thought this was this was the verse. And you find it in all of the Olivet yeah. Discourse. You see it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All the synoptics. Yeah. In the, in all the synoptics, I'm sorry. On the Olivet Discourse. So you see that so clearly. So it's important to answer these things thoroughly. You know, we had some people that disagree with us on the time in the rapture, but they said, hey, it was still a blessing. And that's a question. That's a family debate. We'll continue to talk about it. Yeah, amen. And we'll always talk about it. And we'll talk about it in love uh, and in truth. And the fact is, is I think with that answer, and maybe you could, uh, you, I don't know if you agree or not, but I think 
with that answer, it's one that whether or not you believe the tribulation uh, when the rapture takes place, that's an answer that both would have to agree on in terms of being in a futurist position yeah. mm-hmm. and, and what's going on. So, you know, I wanted to thank you guys and just do a little housework here since we have just about 30 seconds before we'll go Are off. Are you saying left hand to spare, bro? Praise yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. But nonetheless, I just wanted to invite you guys, obviously subscribe to Good Fight Ministries on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to us also, Good Fight Radio Show, so you guys get more shows uh, we got stuff uploading there every, almost every single day. And also Blessed Hope Chapel. You guys subscribe to there. And if you want to become a, a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com slash goodfight as all of the questions that we end up answering on here were from people that have said, hey, we want to be involved a little bit more on Patreon to help support the ministry. So I want to thank you so much for joining us and hope that you guys have been blessed alongside Pastor Joe. We love you guys. We love you guys. I'm Chad Davidson, and this has been the Good Fight Radio Show. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.